Welcome to the 20th episode of the AMM Dividend Growth Podcast. I'm your host, Glenn Bush, and I'm also the lead portfolio manager for the AMM Dividend Growth Strategy. This is going to be a brief episode, you know, kind of like Bill Simmons, it's going to be an emergency pod. It's an update and thoughts on a couple positions. That's Wells Fargo, JP Morgan, and Disney. So let's do the disclaimer and get right into it. The opinions expressed in this podcast are those of Glenn Bush and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of American Money Management, LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor who serves as a portfolio manager to private accounts as well as to a mutual fund. Clients of AMM, Mr. Bush, and employees of AMM and the mutual fund AMM manages may buy or sell investments mentioned without prior notice. This podcast should not be considered investment advice and is for educational purposes only. So the big one and the one we're going to start with is Wells Fargo. Uh, Back in episode 18, I outlined why we were selling Wells Fargo, or more specifically, why we moved it to a source of cash. During that time, we sold it in most accounts because they were already fully invested, and we wanted to swap it with Discover Financial and use the cash to also invest in other positions that were underweight. Newer accounts, uh, accounts that just kind of got into the strategy, that still had a lot of cash or other non-portfolio positions that we could liquidate, and if they still owned Wells Fargo, then they would continue to own it until we needed to raise more cash again. At that time, Wells Fargo was well within its capital reserve ratios, but did say that if the economy worsened, or the reopening took a big step back, or the Federal Reserve increased its stress test requirements or capital reserve requirements, which would result in Wells Fargo having to build up a larger capital buffer, then we would sell all the remaining positions in Wells Fargo because a dividend cut would be coming. Now, the truism is the economy moves slow, but the stock market moves fast in anticipation of what the economy is going to do. Part of the rebound in equity prices was the COVID-19 curve flattening and the United States opening back up to more normal activity. Still, social distancing, mask wearing were still encouraged, and also being smart about which activities are really important to do and which ones create unnecessary risk and should still be avoided. But as I sketch out this episode, and as I record this, Florida is over 9,000 new cases a day. Texas is walking back some of the businesses and venues that it just opened up. Uh, Houston is getting hit really hard right now. Arizona is blowing up. Uh, seven counties in California are told to close their bars. And just as we're recording this, where I live in San Diego, they'd said that bars and wineries that don't have a license to sell food, they got to close back down. You know, we still don't have a nationally organized test and trace program, and the federal government now is reducing funding for testing programs. The curve that was once flattened is now spiking again because states that had plenty of time to prepare for themselves after watching Washington, New York, and California go through their massive outbreaks, you know, these states, they, they dilly-dallied, and they took victory laps. Uh, the Florida Governor Ron DeSantis' victory lap rant to the media a few weeks back is especially cringeworthy right now. So while some parts of the economy are functioning well throughout this, it's the other businesses that depend on human traffic that are still suffering. They'll come back online in fits and starts, and hopefully it's more starts than fits, but right now at this moment, it looks like it'll take longer than it did a couple weeks ago. And as I was writing this, the headline from Bloomberg just went across my news feed too. Here's the quote. Blackstone Group is more than 30 days delinquent on $273.7 million of debt tied to a portfolio of business hotels, a sign that large real estate investors are considering walking away from properties in the pandemic economy. Unquote. That's more stress on the economy, and we're going to see what happens if the extra unemployment and fiscal stimulus rolls off at the end of July. 
there's a real potential rent problem, especially in the major cities. Urban Footprint put out a report, which I'll link to in the description, and it outlines that about 7 million families across the nation could face eviction without further government help. You know, the majority of the fallout happening in major cities that have high costs of living and have major rent burdens. This is when rent accounts for 50% or more of the monthly spend for its average citizens. Because of the high cost of living, it is extremely hard to save up for an economic shock like losing your job because of a viral pandemic. One thing I could see kind of coming out of all this is like a new deal-like effort to get people to work in track and tracing programs and other related uh, capacities to contain the virus. And that will keep the economy growing. Just like the original New Deal, yeah, it would expand the federal balance sheet more, but getting the virus under control is a pro-growth policy. And one way to get your debt-to-GDP ratio down is to grow your GDP. But you need leadership for this. And on top of kind of this dire economic situation rebuilding here, you know, last week we also got new Federal Reserve requirements for the banks regarding their capital return programs. No more share buybacks. Now, they all suspended their share buybacks anyways. They're still allowed to pay dividends, but the banks are capped at 100% of the average net income over their previous four quarters. Right now, the only big bank that fails to meet this is Wells Fargo. With Q2 pretty much over, that means a dividend cut is probably coming in Q3. And we got confirmation today after the market closed that Wells Fargo will cut its dividend in the third quarter. Again, we were already selling Wells Fargo to raise cash for new buys, but after we saw the updated capital return guidelines by the Federal Reserve, we decided to sell the remaining positions in Wells Fargo and just leave that in cash. So as of this moment, we are completely out of Wells Fargo across all accounts. This leaves JP Morgan as the only bank in our portfolio. Its dividend is fine right now based on the new guidelines, but it's forcing me to think hard about our position in JP Morgan right now. Uh, the JP Morgan economic outlook and model that they use was drastic when they started doing their pandemic modeling. You know, they suspended share buybacks right away. They started taking big loss reserves. But given everything we just talked about regarding the increasing stress on the economy as the stimulus measures wear off and as the coronavirus picks back up, you know, JP Morgan's dividend becomes questionable too. Cutting the dividend is a quick and easy way to retain capital to meet their buffer requirements. And the other company I'm thinking about is Disney. My last update on Disney, I mentioned that reopening the parks, even at a reduced capacity, and with sports coming back on TV, that it would give Disney cover to pay its year-end dividend. But again, both California and Florida are seeing spikes in the coronavirus. And like I said earlier, Florida just broke the daily record for new coronavirus cases. And in California, a big portion of the spike is happening in Los Angeles County. Now, I know Disneyland is in Anaheim, but they're right next to each other, and the virus doesn't care which county you're in. And you also have employees of Disney pushing for a delay in reopening. Now, they feel unsafe working around all these people with cases spiking up around where they live and work. Disney World is supposed to have its 50th anniversary in October, which would be a big moneymaker for the park. But given what is happening in Florida, will the park be able to open? Or will enough people want to show up and risk it to justify the operating costs of keeping the park open? Now, thinking about Disney and sports, you know, the NBA is going to go through with the season. They want to start back up July 31st, but you're still getting reports of players testing positive. You know, Jokic, a big star, just tested positive, though he's asymptomatic right now. Uh, you have Major League Baseball looks like it's going to go with its shortened season, and players are supposed to report to camp on July 1st. 
Again, here, players in different camps are testing positive. I, I think uh, six tested positive for the Phillies. Uh, college football looks like it's going to go ahead with the season. But, you know, just the sheer amount of people involved with each game, you know, this is even without fans, it really makes me believe we'll see a team report an outbreak early in the season. And, you know, what's that going to have an effect on the whole college season? If I haven't mentioned before, I coach college water pool. And right now, everything is going forward as usual. That will start in the fall. I'm stepping back, though. My girlfriend and I are expecting our first child midway through the season. And being pregnant puts you into a high-risk category for the virus. So hanging out with a bunch of college players and traveling with them on airplanes and buses just doesn't seem like the best way to reduce our risk. You know, with the NFL, you know, they're planning on going ahead with the season so far. And with the NFL, even more people are involved here than college games. So you have those same issues. The cable providers have contracts with ABC and ESPN that stipulate a certain number of games have to be shown or ABC and ESPN are on the hook to pay them back. And I think it works with in kind of the same way between ABC, ESPN, and the actual professional leagues. Getting sports back on TV is a big positive for Disney. There is pent-up demand to watch sports. And with people staying home more, even though the economy is kind of opened back up, you have this captive audience. And Disney should get some good advertising spend out of this. So, you know, you, we hope that the containment and testing plans for each league keeps an outbreak from shutting the whole leagues down again. But like I said in the previous Disney update, we haven't been buying here recently, after that big kind of snapback. And maybe with higher coronavirus cases, we'll see Disney dip back below $100 per share. So this is what I'm thinking about. With our focus on dividend growth, technically holding Disney here violates that focus. You know, they suspended their mid-year dividend. But that suspension was more about optics with the, all those employees that they furloughed versus the actual economics and cash burn at that moment. But with rising cases, especially in California and Florida, it's possible that the reopenings get pushed back. The longer the parks stay closed, the less likely Disney will get back to its regular dividend. And I'll have another tough choice about what to do with our position. Our action plan right now is to buy Disney if it gets back into the low 90s. But it's a wait and see approach. The year-end is still a long way away, and I'll have to adjust my thoughts on Disney's dividend as we get closer and as the situation further develops. But again, these are just a few things I'm thinking about. I never said I would have all the answers, but I wanted to share what is going on in my mind as I think about risk to our portfolio in this new environment. If you would like to discuss any of this further, you want to learn more about the AMM Dividend Growth Portfolio, you can give me a call at 858 755-0909 or you can email me at gbush at amminvest.com I'll put both of those down in the description and then I'll talk to you next time.